Welcome to edition number four, like MASH. We've been on the air so long. This is edition number four of the Drew Goodman podcast with Julie Brownman. Did you see what I, I tweeted out the other day about the catchy name? Yeah, very original, very catchy. Yeah. Right. And here's how you'll know the difference. I'm Drew and the female voice is Julie. So I wanted to get that out in right, the open right, right away. You pointed something out a moment ago because we are um, recording this late Saturday night, unfortunately after the Rockies fell 6-5 to five to the Giants. And the wonderful thing about podcasting is I actually am drinking a Corona Light <laughs> and you are having an expensive uh, – bottle of red you're just drinking right out of the bottle you're not even well, putting it in a glass that's why i don't i'm glad i'm not on tv anymore mm-hmm. and just doing this podcast is drinking red wine and, and jesse's got a corona light as well and this is why podcasting is kind of right up our alley right absolutely <laughs> you know it's kind of like um you know when kathy lee was with hoda then they, they drank wine on their show right um i just know that they did an episode where they didn't wear makeup and that was a big deal do you guys remember that like women on the air not wearing makeup. I'm not going down this path again. I did that before. We're not going down this path. I took my makeup off before I came here. I had, you know, makeup on for the program tonight, the right. game, but I I intentionally took it off. I don't Do you want... wear a lot? No. I wear I don't have as much hair as I used to. I don't know if you're aware of that. You've known me for thirty something years, but mm-hmm. I don't have as much hair as I used to. So um mm-hmm. the lights in the open <laughs> will will um reflect off the top of my head Uh so i put makeup on up here mostly but i feel like you know my face is pretty enough that i don't have to you know so you don't do anything there i don't you know i used to a little bit but i don't does spilly and do your partners oh spilly has to cake it on i mean he's an ugly (laughs) son of a gun otherwise so i don't even you know what spilly spilly has that olive skin yes we've all been taught and we have our people in seattle who come and Mm -hmm. and so on but uh no i don't wear a lot Okay. All right. It's normal for men in in TV to wear makeup. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you I got something. Go ahead. But I have something for you. What? Um, You started a new gig in addition to this gig. Mm -hmm. This is kind of like your your after hours. This is my side hustle. This is your side hustle. Yeah. You are you are as I understand this. Mm -hmm. You are um, the new fire chief of Adams County. Is that accurate? Uh, No. Let me clarify that very quickly, so I don't get in trouble. I am the new PIO. It's the Public Information Officer of Adams County Fire. Now, here's the really cool thing because I've been asking you about this, and I'm really excited about a couple of um, recent. I call them phenomenons because I don't know what they're doing in Adams County. I have great respect for our first responders. Oh, yeah. I know they're wonderful folks up in Adams County. I'm going to do a drive, not a drive. I'm going to do a drive along. Is that what it's called? A ride along. And a we're going to do along. a show. Actually, we're going to try and do a show from a fire station. I, I cannot wait for that. Okay. But you actually get a helmet. You mm-hmm. get a, you get, what do they, what do they call the pants again? Well, like bunker gear. Bunker yeah. gear. Yeah. Special fire shoes, right? I do. I do. I just got outfitted for and that. And the yeah. greatest kicker of them all <laughs> mm-hmm. is Julie can fly by you and not get a ticket because <laughs> no. she has a car with flashing lights and a siren. Is and you get to bring that home every night? I do. Uh, I never can put the siren on. There is a I can, I mean I can that is a that's taboo. The lights I You can, don't know how or it's not allowed you're I not know. allowed to. I'm not allowed to. Um it's an Adams County Fire Rescue PIO car. And there's lights on it in case I need to get to a scene that's that's court that's cordoned off from the police. Right. Then I can get, get close. Get close. Yeah. So that's like downstairs right now. Mm-hmm. It's in my parking spot. Yeah. Is it like brand new? Does it have like other cool gadgets in it? 
Uh, it's not brand new, but it's 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 definitely a good nice perk of the job. Yeah, we're gonna so, go, we're gonna do a show from that. That's fine. That's why podcasting is beautiful. And is, I will be turning the siren on. I don't care. Yeah. Okay. okay. So um, I don't want to get you fired. You're only your first week on the I show. I know, but I think that's really cool. Thank you. It's it's a very I'm very happy to be there. It's a very cool gig. There's a they're amazing people. We can talk about that another time. But yeah. Oh my gosh. No, I'm looking forward to. It. I have I honestly I have the utmost respect for first responders. Um, uh, especially those folks that have to be, you know, the paramedics and have to be the first, uh, you know, in car accidents and that sort of thing. Thank goodness there are great folks like that out there. So I, I'm really happy for you. Thank I'm, you. I'm teasing, I'm teasing you because I, you got the fire car and you got the helmet and all that. <laughs> but that's great stuff. Yeah. No, it's it's super exciting. So great. Speaking of great stuff, um, we, a little bit later, we're going to have an, you did an interview with John Gray. I love who, John. What a good kid. He's one of my favorites. He's such a good soul. He really is. He really is. And he's he, having a good year. He, Tough night tonight. Right. I think he was a little tired after his last performance, Julie. Right. Um, but he hung in there for four innings. Um, unfortunately, you know, when he left, it was a 4-4 game and, and the Rockies ended up taking the lead, but they, they fell later on. But John's a great kid. You know what I liked about his outing tonight was that it was a rough first outing. The Rockies were down 4 nothing after the first. And in the past, I think you think, oh, God what's going to happen here because he's shown that sometimes in the past that when it goes bad it really goes bad but he settled down right and gave the Rockies a chance to get back in it which they did which I was really happy to see he's easy to root for and he's easy to root for for me because he's very human you know like everybody and people that get on really bother me when they say oh, he's mentally weak you don't get to this point in at the majors with being mentally weak. There were people who wanted to get rid of him after last year. And it's not like last year was horrible, but they did feel, and it goes back, I think, to 2017 in that postseason when he gets the start in the wild card game against Arizona. And obviously it didn't go well. But you know what? He's grown immensely from that point in time. Mm -hmm. And I'm with you. It is always and will always be about the folks in the arena who have the courage to compete. They have the courage to try to get better. And it's not just physically getting better. It's also emotionally and mentally getting better. And this young man has has really made significant strides. And it's been on display. I, I think um, probably without great argument, you can say that he's been the Rockies' most consistent starting pitcher this year. We're going to hear from John Gray a little bit later in the show. So now with the trade deadline, with by the time this podcast comes out, it would be maybe four or five days in the books. Rockies stay pretty much pat, obviously. Um, were you Are you okay with that? Yeah, though I was hopeful, like probably a lot of fans, if you want to go back two and a half weeks ago or go back to the beginning of July when... You know, the Rockies were four games over 500. A few days prior to that, there were six games over 500, and they were they were one of the top two wild card teams at that point. And you said, okay, you know, how how can they help themselves? And we all get excited about looking at what's out there. Could they get another starting pitcher, perhaps? Could they get an additional bullpen arm? But it was such a miserable July, not only the worst July in franchise history, it was the worst month in franchise history. And that includes 1993 when they were a first-year team, an expansion team. And and it took them from potentially being involved with a number of people out there to it didn't make sense anymore. I also am glad that they didn't break up the core. Could they have moved some bullpen arms and some money? Probably. Um, and I think they also 
probably didn't get enough in return to make those deals. Okay, speaking of bullpen, then let's go right to Wade Davis and what's going on. Crazy splits at home and on the road has been replaced in the closer role, at least I mean, at least for a game against uh, so Scott Olberg, who's had a really good year, came in in the closer role. From your perspective, what's going on with Wade Davis? I think Wade nibbles too much, especially at home. But there, there's you know, if you look at his splits, as you alluded to, on the road, his ERA is under a one. Mm-hmm. It's outstanding. But he's walked some guys on the road. I feel like he's a little more aggressive on the road than he is at home. And, you know, he'd be the first to say that. And he's he's fallen behind guys, which is is tough on any pitcher. And he's given up some home runs at home. And I understand why Buddy finally went to him and said, hey, you know what? We're going to we're going to remove you from that role for the time being and go with Scott Oberg. And the year that Scott's had going back to really the all star break of last year, it it makes sense to do that. And Wade's not the first guy that has a really formidable resume that's been asked to take a step back. I think that's hard for Buddy, too, because I feel like Buddy's actions are are that he wants to stick with a guy, that he really wants a guy to work through it, right? And I just wonder how he comes up with that. Um, I I, I don't think that that's something, a conversation Buddy ever wants to have. No, and you know Buddy well. And and I think, Julie, you're... uh, thousand percent right because buddy likes guy he was a pitcher he likes when guys have defined roles he understands even though he was a starter he understands those bullpen guys especially your plus side guys your high leverage guys they want to know all right typically the seventh inning's mine typically the eighth inning is when i work and for wade davis um he's always been a ninth inning guy once he was removed from a starter capacity you know years ago i think one of the other additional things that that made this a difficult decision for buddy is that wade davis is one of the best closers of the last six or seven years i mean this is not some guy that had a nice year and so he's our guy in the ninth inning this guy's got a pretty distinguished resume that made it more difficult yeah, and there was I read something where they were talking about and maybe this is maybe they weren't talking about this. This is something that somebody just came up with where they would have the Rockies would have Wade be the closer on the road and then Scott be the closer at home. But that doesn't sound like that's something that's up Buddy's alley. It's considering if he wants to define roles. No, I I think that I, I you don't dismiss anything because I listen, a few years ago if I said, "Hey, um, we're going to start a guy and have him get three outs, maybe six outs, and then we're going to bring in the guy we originally thought we were going to start, thus the opener. Probably people, especially traditionists, would look at you and say, what are you, nuts? You don't, you don't do that. But now, not only has Tampa done it, but a number of teams on occasion are doing it with you know, a degree of success. Um, so is that an outlandish proposal? Hey, you close on the road, you close at home? No, but I think once Buddy decided that he's going to put Oberg in this role and, and back away from Wade, it made sense to say, okay, you're our ninth inning guy right now, whether we're at Coors Field or we're in San Diego or Houston or whatever the case may be. August 3rd, where are where should our expectations now? After the trading deadline, now that we know what we're dealing with, now that we know it would take quite a run, for the Rockies to make a playoffs. And I, I think it's a disappointing, there's no, we can't sugarcoat it. This is a disappointing season, it, right? It, it ha, it's been a, 
July was so disappointing that it has turned into an overall disappointing season at this juncture. Is it impossible, you know, to somehow get back in contact with the wild card? No, it's not. But you're going to have to have one of those tremendous roles where they win, you know, 12 out of 13, 15 out of 18. And now you say, whoa, wait a second. Now they have a shot. But short of that, very, very difficult. So what are your expectations as we enter the last month and a half of the season that you got to see to feel like, okay, next year they can get right back on the horse? This sport has always been about pitching. The last 13 games, if you include tonight, the Rockies have pitched to a, I'm trying to remember from the broadcast tonight, but you know, a, a low to mid three ERA. That's really good. If they continue to do that, the bats will come around. Obviously, Nolan had a tough July. David Dahl's going to be down now for a period of time with that high ankle sprain. But I'd like to see them continue to pitch that way and maybe um, most importantly or one of the more important aspects of that to answer your question to see Peter Lambert continue to put together solid outings and really grow because then when you look and the other obvious one is Kyle Freeland you know we saw a good one on the road in Washington and then I you know I just felt awful for him and his last outing was more of what we had seen earlier in the year he just got you know, beat up with the long ball, three home runs in his last outing against the Dodgers. So I got long-winded. Lambert continued to grow. Freeland get himself back in, in a good place. And the, and the continued solid pitching of John Gray and Herman Marquez. You mentioned David Dahl. Um, and we had a conversation earlier today. We were on the phone about, I was at that game, about when that happened as a broadcaster, what goes through your mind it sounds like it's the same thing that goes through our mind, but as a broadcaster, you have to you you want to handle it a certain way. Yeah, I, I think in anything, sometimes with a young broadcaster, their inclination is you have to talk. And I believe that oftentimes the best thing we can do as a television broadcaster, it's a visual medium, is shut the bleep up. Let the pictures tell the story. Yes, we all hope whoever's rolling around on the ground is not significantly injured. We fall in the trap of saying that, and then fall in the trap of, of many other things. And I let the pictures tell the story other than adding that you just really you know, feel for this kid because he's so wonderfully talented. He busts his tail to stay on the field. He wants desperately to stay on the field, and he's always had you know, some sort of, of injury. And it's always, it seems like it's always pretty significant. I mean, he had a splenectomy in the minor leagues when he had a collision with an infielder trying to catch a pop-up. He had to have his, you know, splenectomy, folks. Julie's the expert now. She's fire chief Julie. <laughs> don't she, say know, that. Don't I, say I, I, the fire chief. That will, will get me in trouble. In trouble. Okay. Yeah, that will she, get me in trouble. <laughs> she is the spokesman for the Adams County Fire Department. Yeah. Um, but no, he had to have his spleen removed. Yeah. And... He's had the back issue that kept him out of 2017. So this year, for the most part, he's been healthy and he's an all-star. 
So that, you know, I I did say that. Other than that, I kind of let the, the pictures tell the story. I talked to him tonight mm-hmm. on my way here. And, you know, he was in pretty good spirits because he realizes that he dodged what he thought was going to be just a catastrophic thing. You know, when, he, when it first happened, he heard something pop. He didn't know he, he was in, you know, agony pain-wise. Mm-hmm. He didn't know if he tore a knee ligament, if he broke a bone, or... Or if he tore his Achilles. Oh, my God. I mean, can you imagine that? You're not no. even sure where the injury is. You're just in that kind of agony. Yeah. So the end of it, high ankle sprain is, is a tough injury, but he he dodged the proverbial bullet. I can tell you from the stands, we're all thinking, oh, shit. Right? Yeah. Like, oh, man, not, not for this kid. All right. We are going to take a break. When we come back, the interview we've been talking about with John Gray. want to remind you, though, that you can listen to the Drew Goodman podcast with Julie Brownman. That is moi. Um, on iTunes, on Spotify, on Stitcher, on all of your favorite podcast apps. And you can check out our website at thedrewgoodmanpodcast.com, where you can contact us to ask us any questions that we'll read on the podcast. You can order Drew's book. We'll also have other things on there uh, coming up in the future. So you want to check that out. It's thedrewgoodmanpodcast.com. And I want to tell you, Julie, about a very good friend of mine, a guy that uh, I trust entirely when it comes to mortgages when it comes to lending ideal home loans and my buddy brent ivinson he started ideal home loans a number of years ago um 2001 they've been since then they've been helping homeowners and home buyers uh, they have an a plus rating with the better business bureau that's something you want to check out right away okay is this a fly-by-night operation? Is it somebody trying to sell you something, but in actuality, their ratings aren't that good? No, in actuality, their ratings are terrific. They're a local direct mortgage banker. Give them a call, 303-867-7000, 303-867-7000, or Ideal Home Loans. Uh, they listen and then they lend and they help you out if you want to consolidate debt they're terrific at doing that obviously rates are very very good at this point in time give them a call again it's ideal home loans brent ivinson 303-867-7000 303-867-7000 so julie teased this earlier i got the chance to catch up with uh, john gray before his start tonight, never talked to a guy on, on the day he starts. Though John is so accommodating, he probably would do it, but that's frowned upon. Anyhow, when we were chatting the other day in the dugout, we started by talking about his emerging golf game. And on the off day Thursday, he played Cherry Hills. And here's what he did on the first hole. I did. And uh, it was a scary moment because uh, I... Caddy didn't say anything. No one told me the distance. Uh, you know, I, it looked really far. It was downhill, but uh, they just said, "Yeah, go for it." And I was like, "Okay, I'll do it." But uh, I didn't think it was going to go straight. But uh, sure enough, it did. It was a rocket, and <laughs> we just started yelling as soon as we knew it was uh, it was heading their direction. But they didn't hear us, and uh, it for sure hit the green because they turned around pretty quick. But uh, I was so scared. I thought they were going to kill me after the first hole. Well, the, you, it, the good thing is you knew the group in front of you, didn't you? I did, yeah. Uh, Wade, um, Wade Davis, Holmes was up there. Uh, yeah, I, I hit it right through them, really close to their head. So, uh, 
Very scary, very scary for me and them. <laughs> you, you did two pride, I hope, for birdie. I did, yes. Yeah, started off with a birdie, so it was, uh, it was a good start at least. Now, Vinny told me, he's, he's, he's my source, he said he was impressed. He said, you can play. Yeah, he was. Uh, I mean, he's, he saw me on my best day, but uh, pretty good first impression. But, uh, hey, Vinny's got some game, too. He was uh, he was crushing, crushing the ball. Listen, um, historically, as a starting pitcher, you have to be good in golf. You got some time. Yeah, I kind of recognize that. Uh, as soon as I got into this organization, a lot of guys were golfing. And uh, we were in Arizona, you know, that's kind of like a, a hot spot for golf. Uh, it's really well known in the era. So um, I picked it up, started taking it really serious then. And uh, I wouldn't say really serious, but, you know, I, I get out during spring training at least 10 times. So I play a lot then. But during the season, maybe twice. Back to baseball. How, on an individual level, how would you rate your season and, and what are you most proud of as far as what has occurred for you this year? Uh, I'm just just happy I responded the way I have last season, but, uh, you know, and I still feel like things haven't really come all together yet. You know, I just feel like it's missing something, and maybe it's because, you know, the season's not going the way it should be. And I think that's part of, part of the reason why I feel like I, the way I do, but... Uh, but I mean, I'm proud. I'm proud that whenever I take the field now, guys are excited to play behind me, and uh, you know they know I'm going to do do a good job and give everything I got. So I, I, I'm I'm really happy about that. You know, looking, I've seen every start in your career, obviously, and I know last year you were disappointed with some things. You were, you were struggling a little bit to to eat day of game. You almost look like a different person body wise. How much of that was mental, and how much of it was, uh, you know, making physical changes? Um, yeah, they, those two really, uh, really connected uh, the physical and the mental. Because I mean, I, I knew last year I didn't feel strong. I wasn't myself. I knew I couldn't do what I usually do, or what I'm supposed to do, or able to do, and that kind of freaked me out a little bit. So I knew I didn't have it, and it kind of played a game my mentality. So, uh, yeah, it, it affected my mentality a little bit. But, you know, I, I took care of that this offseason. I got strong again, got my legs underneath me, and uh, got my velo back up. And, uh, you know, that's also having a positive effect on mine, too. So I think those two tie in well. You know, John, there are various things that motivate people in general and, and athletes specifically. Sometimes it's a fear of failure. Sometimes it's... Uh, a burning desire to be the absolute best. Obviously, you're one of the best at what you do in the world, but then, you know, trying to take it and say, I still want to even be even better. And, and sometimes it, it can be another thing that motivates somebody. What motivates you each uh, fifth day? You know, I just like, a, there's a lot of things that really motivate me, but I don't know if I can really pin it down on one thing, but, uh, you know, being being there for my teammates just because I haven't been there in the past is really satisfying. So going and coming here and just pitching a really good game for us is uh, that's the most satisfying thing. That's really driving me right now. And uh, so I, I I would say a lot of my drive goes to that. Just it's kind of a uh, a pushback from last year, kind of like a chip on my shoulder. So um, you know, I think that I think that's probably my main driving force right now. How much do does the group of five starters? push each other and help each other when they're struggling. And a lot of you guys have grown up together in this organization. Yeah. And I think we got I think we got a healthy competition going, you know. I think whenever one of us throws a good game, 
you know, another guy steps right up and does the same thing, and it's, it's really cool to see. You know, it was really cool to see Marky do that. Today. I mean, he was uh, he was really cruising to the cramp, but uh, you know, I feel like we got a really healthy, healthy, uh, competitive thing going, and uh, you know, I think it just it just makes us better. But um, you know, I I would say uh, a lot of us have grown up together, I and mean, we've seen each other change, and our craft has changed sometimes. The type of pitch we are changes a little bit, but you know we're still the same people, and you know we we're brutally honest with each other sometimes about things, and um, you know you got to have that, you got to have that, and we keep each other, you know we we hold each other accountable too, and I think that's important. Of the things you're you're proud of this year, and and uh, you know you answered that with that your teammates know you're, you're going to have a chance to win each time out. It, it, that's got to be the number one thing. I mean, you've had some dominant games. You have some other games where, you know what, you kept the club in the game because, listen, if you get the baseball 32, 33 times, we all know no pitcher has their A material every time. Right, yeah, that's the toughest thing. And I think I've done a really good job of that this year. When things aren't going well for me, I know I don't have my stuff. I know I can still keep us in the ball game and compete. You know, it doesn't work out every time. Sometimes you'll get touched for six or seven runs. I mean, it happens in baseball. It happens to the best people. But, uh, you know, at least at least you know you in your mind that you're going to go out there and get everything you got, and uh, you're going to live to fight another day, and it's going to be there. How frustrating has this been for the collective group, not just the starters, the pen, and, and even the position players because the expectations were so high? Yeah, we had, we had high expectations for ourselves, too. So, I mean, it was disappointing in every area. So I know I know the fans are upset. Uh, you know, we're upset each and every day. We don't play our, we don't play our best, so... Uh, you know, I, I don't think I don't think it's a lack of talent at all. I mean, obviously we see it. We see we see our team play well, and it's uh, we look unbeatable. So uh, it's just uh, I don't know. I feel like we just kind of missed our stride a lot this year. Either we were like pitching well for a little bit, or we weren't hitting, or we were hitting for a long time, and we never pitched well for you know a long time. So um, it's been it's been kind of a weird year. But you know, I'm just uh, we just need to keep we just need to stay in a fight and, and take it one game at a time and. You know, try to get the feeling like ourselves again because it could be one game, one moment, one series that could that could uh, switch everything. So uh, we need we need to hang in there. I want to take you back to growing up. I mean, most kids will say, "Hey, I want to be a big leaguer." They're in kindergarten, they're in second grade. For you, was there a point in time where you really fell in love with the game, and was there a point in time where you realized, "Hey, you know what? I'm really pretty good at this thing." Yeah, it was probably about high school. Uh, probably my high school days when I realized I was. Like gonna take it to college, I guess. But uh, you know, early on, I knew I was really good as a kid. I knew I was really good. But I, I was also good at football too and basketball. So I thought I didn't know it was gonna be baseball. I just played every sport. You know, I took a lot of pride in each one. But uh, probably when I started playing American Legion in high school is when I realized I was gonna take it to the next level in that area. And that's when I kind of realized that football probably wasn't gonna take me there. But uh, it was uh, it was a lot of fun. I had, that was probably the best time of my life. Was uh, you know, as a kid, was just traveling around playing, playing baseball. As you know, as a youngster, uh, 16, 17 years old, it was like everything in the world growing up in Oklahoma. So, uh, I'd say probably then I realized it was going to be serious. Was it always going to be OU? By the way, it was always going to be OU. It was, it was going to be, OU, it was going to be OU football. But <laughs> yeah, like I said, it changed. And uh, but I always wanted to be a Sooner, and, I, and I'm lucky I got that opportunity. What did you play in football? Uh, tight end and defensive end, and I was the backup quarterback to my brother. He was the starting quarterback and a linebacker, so we both played both ways, and uh, he was like the team captain, so of course, he was an older brother. I had to listen to him, and he wore me out when I didn't listen, so uh, we, we were a good team, though. We went undefeated, and uh, we lost the state championship game, though, 
So we had an undefeated season, lost the state championship game. We were runner-up. Did you have opportunities to play college football? Had you had you pushed in that direction? Some Division two coaches were talking to me and asked me if I you know if I changed my mind at all you know to let them know, but never a Division one. You know I didn't ever took football that serious. I only played uh, three seasons in high school. I didn't play my senior year, so uh, but it was it, you know I was good at it. So um, you know I would I guess I would like to see how that would have turned out, but I'm glad I chose baseball. How about Kyler Murray? Did he make the right decision? Yeah, you know, I, he, I don't think he would have made a wrong decision either way. You know, I think uh, whatever he was going to do was meant to be. And, you know, um, I don't know if he's spiritual, but, you know, just let God take over. And, uh, he'll show you the way to go. You know how Paul Egan, who's the Rockies traveling secretary, is with Georgia football. Are you the same way Saturdays when OU's on in the fall? Uh, no, I don't really watch the games because I kind of blame myself for a, a really ugly loss to Texas a couple years ago because we were, we were killing them. And I turned the game on at halftime and started watching it, and we got blown out. So I haven't really watched much on TV since. I just do updates. So true to form, as most baseball players are, you have a degree of superstitiousness. I have superstitiousness as a fan, but as a player, I don't because I know I'm in control. So at this point right now, on August 3rd, who would have thought, based off last year, that John Gray may be the best pitcher right now on the Rocky staff? Well, he listen. He we were talking about it earlier. He's been the most consistent guy. I mean, his his poorest outing was probably tonight when he went four innings. But I, I, you made a great point. He gave up the four runs in the first inning. Then he was able to put up some zeros and kept the Rockies in the game. And the Rockies chipped away, and ultimately they take the lead. Unfortunately, they end up falling uh, six to five Saturday night. But John's had tremendous growth, Julie, um, off the field. And he's had tremendous growth because of that on the field. And you can tell he's as confident as he's ever been. And I think he's really proud of where he is, not only as a baseball player, but as a person. And, you know, physically, he looks to anybody's eye. Doesn't he look completely different than a year ago? He couldn't eat game day. His weight had gotten down to like 210 pounds. Now he's, you know, looks like 230, 235. And he looks like a strong, athletic, big, dude like he should look i don't know how much of that is attributed to the fact that i think he really started to focus on the mental side of everything and he's pretty open about and this is another reason why i love john gray he's pretty transparent about the fact that he went to go see a sports psychologist right to talk about all of these things and it sounds like i mean at at least that helped i think guys seeing um the psychologist, sports psychologist is way more talked about than it used to be. I had a conversation with Brian Shaw that when he was in college, they brought in a guy to talk to him and he just thought it was as a 19 year old, he's like, this is crazy. This is stupid. And now he looks back. He's like, Oh my God, that is so useful. Like the breathing and just, you know, being in the moment. When I caught, when I covered hockey, Varlamov talked about going to see a sports psychologist. I just think it's, um, it's necessary. I think it's almost a necessary thing now for these guys to do. Absolutely, and you're seeing it in, in youth sports. My my two oldest um, had been to at different times a sports psychologist because we use phrases in athletics like "Hey Julie, slow the game down." All right, slow the game down. Breathe, and you're like you nod yes to the, your coach, right? Okay, well. How do I actually go about slowing the game down? Yeah. How do I go about changing how I breathe? 
There are exercises, there's training, just like we train our body to be bigger, stronger, faster. We have to train our brains to be able to compete, especially at the highest level or to the highest level we're capable of achieving. That's interesting that your sons have done that. Are the, is that because the coaches have suggested that or is that something that they just wanted to do on their own? Uh, you know, it's, it's something that, you know, I suggested baseball tears you apart more so than, than any other team sport, at least of the major team sports. There's so much disappointment. We call it in baseball so much failure, right? Best hitters in the world fail seven out of 10 times. That's all, that's a lot of tearing one down mm-hmm. and for that reason and my kids played everything but they're baseball players and you know one's still playing in college one played in college so I, I just felt like it, it would be beneficial and I think it did help them with breathing I know my oldest when he first arrived at college some other kids were interested in how you know his breathing exercises that he did on the bench and that sort of thing so uh, yeah, and I think you take that in anything that you do later on in life. Let's say you're making a presentation in front of a room full of people, or maybe it's a it's an arena, maybe not an arena full of people, but a you know a, a boardroom or you know fifty or a hundred people. Mm-hmm. How do you slow that down? So I think it's you know it, it's tremendously important, and and especially from an athletic standpoint. Uh, speaking of failure, are you ready to play a game? Yeah, I'm big on games. <laughs> what are we, midnight? Close. Yeah, it is. Okay, we're. I'll wrap this show up. All right, we're going to play word association, okay? Star Wars night. <laughs> is that a word? My crack up? Listen, the Rockies draw great. There was 47,000 people there tonight. Mm-hmm. Awesome. But not for Drew. Why? Because here's the deal, Julie. I was 14 years old, 1977. The original Star Wars came out. I grew up in New York, as you know. The one time I went to summer camp was in 77. My dad was taking the bar exam. He wanted peace and quiet at home. So I get shipped off to summer camp, which is really uh, it's pretty prevalent back east. Um, I think it's somewhat pre- you know, prevalent with the Jewish population as a kid growing up, right? So I went to summer camp. It was okay. I got I had a girlfriend there for a little bit. Don't ask me her name. I have no idea what her name was. And the she whole camp- She made an impact on you. Yeah, she made a huge impact. <laughs> but the whole camp went to see Star Wars. Mm-hmm. So we're in Star Wars and for probably various reasons because I wanted to, you know, go make out with her or something, <laughs> we left after an hour. So you've seen an hour of I've Star I've seen Wars. an hour of Star Wars. I've never been into sci-fi. I've never been into like the all the Marvel comic movies. They don't they, just the way I'm wired, they don't do anything for me. So Star Wars night and Spilly's really into it and they tease me. He was me. so into oh, it. Oh, Spilly's legitimately into it. And and I had somebody on Twitter tonight, Julie, say, he goes, "Oh, you're trying to be cool. Everybody's seen Star Wars, so don't pretend that, you know, you didn't see it just to try to be cool." And I couldn't hold myself back, so I fired back at him. So I know, I know you've been following me around my whole life, but actually <laughs> I've seen 1 hour of Star Wars. Period. Okay. Next up, Tony Walters. Tony three bags gets a triple every once in a while. Mm-hmm. I, I 
I love the Tony Walters story. Am I? Is it? Wor- I'm supposed to give you one word. I give know, me like but- paragraphs. Here, I love the Tony Walters story. Great defensive catcher. He blocks the baseball better than anybody I've seen. He works ground up, so he raises pitches up subtly in the strike zone. His hands are amazing from his middle infield background. But what he's done offensively to become a tough out, going from a guy that hit 170 to a guy that is among the top three offensive catchers in on-base percentage and batting average in the National League, man, you got to really salute that kid. Kenny Stones, and I'm specifically talking about Vic Fangio. What a story, man. Yeah, Vic's tough, man. We figured, you know, the football coach got to be tough. He's getting ready for his first head coaching gig, the Hall of Fame game, and he's got kidney stones. Not good. But But he coached. I feel like that's the start of his legend. If he's ends up being a good coach here, that's the start of it. I mean, you think it's a bad? Jesse thinks it's a bad omen. I've never had kidney stones. They're I supposed don't to be horrific. St- yeah, I don't want kidney stones. That's not that's not a good day. Okay, um, Bruce Bochy. I love Bochy, and I know you do. You go way back with Bochy, and and I've been around him for you know a couple decades. He's authentic. That's my word for him. You said Bruce Bochy, authentic. I he, thought it was cool what the Rockies did before the game, presenting him with the SF from, from the from the auxiliary scoreboard yeah, and, yeah. and and autographed by every current Rocky. Yeah, very presented classy. by Dick Monfort and Buddy Black. That mm-hmm. was cool. Scooters, scooters like Scooter Jeanette. No, no, but good, good pull. Scooters that are everywhere downtown. When you're leaving the ballpark. Aren't you dodging scooters? I just drive through. No, um, I'm not. I leave, really? Yeah, I leave late enough that I haven't seen any scooters. I see them on the street all the time, yeah. but I've never. Have you ever rented one? No, I feel like I feel like Spilly, there's danger. Billy did in San Diego, and he didn't have a mishap, but I I, I was concerned because. I wanted to make sure he got there in one place. I, I, at some point, I'm going to do it. Like we're going to San Diego next week, yeah. And they're everywhere in San Diego. Yeah. Okay. Take pictures and we'll yeah. we'll post them. Uh, Zach Grinky. Zach Grinky. Wow, that's a wow. Mm-hmm. I mean, all these trades are coming down. We're on the air, Julie, because the trade deadline I think was two Mountain, mm-hmm. and we're on the air. And you know, this guy got traded, and that guy got traded. You know, some decent names. Aaron Sanchez, by the way, part of a, a part of a Houston. No hitter tonight. He threw six no hit innings, and then the the pen came in. So Houston gets Zach Greinke. You're like, are you kidding me? They're gonna roll Verlander, Greinke, and Garrett Cole. Two of those guys are Hall of Famers. Are the Rocks gonna see him this week? He will pitch Tuesday and make his Astros debut <sighs> against the Rockies. Wouldn't you know it? Wouldn't you know it? Uh, two more. Yasiel Puig. Hmm. I can't stand that dude. I don't. He doesn't bother me as much as he as he used to. Um, I, I know this much. I'm taking Yasiel Puig and Amir Garrett. Amir Garrett, you want to talk about a tough guy? Who runs at the other dugout and starts throwing haymakers <laughs> when there's 25 dudes in the other dugout? Right, a ballsy guy. Yeah, and I don't know. Going back to Puig, uh-huh. who wants to dance with him? I mean, he's 6'3 and 250, 260 pounds. You didn't see a lot of guys that were trying to wrestle with him. See, I would think you couldn't stand him either because he's so cocky. I feel like that doesn't, you don't roll with that. 
but no, but you know, I'm changing. I'm evolving. <laughs> Just to take a quote from one of my favorite movies, The Big Chill, Jeffrey Goldblum's line, I'm evolving because I think, you know, the younger generation, the bad flips, and yeah, I, I tend to be more old school, respect the game, all that. But you know what? It's okay. Nobody's getting hurt. You know, nobody's rubbing anybody's nose in it. It's hard to hit a home run. You hit a home run, big bat flip, okay. Seeing guys celebrate punching guys out. So Puig's a, a talented guy. Okay. And I think he's grown up some. Last one in Las Vegas, I just saw the story that I guess they had a crazy amount of grasshoppers. I don't know if you guys saw that on the news, like a it was like biblical what was going on in Vegas. So a New York style pizzeria. They are now selling for $5.50 a grasshopper pizza. It's baked goat cheese, caramelized onions, uh, arugula, and then roasted grasshoppers with seasoned with garlic and lime. I had grasshoppers. I had them on the air. Um, I forget what ballpark we were at. We were doing some ballpark cuisine thing. Mm-hmm. And somebody will remember who's who's been around the league. And they have fried um, grasshoppers. And... They weren't bad, you know. It tastes salty and sound. You know, you they. They're fried. They're fried. So you're just chewing fried whatever. But I had fried grasshoppers. So that's not offensive to you, especially say a New York pizzeria. Um. See, if, if I'm having my back home pizza, I just got cheese. You didn't put anything on it. Mm. So, no, I'm not putting grasshoppers on it. But I've eaten grasshoppers. What's the weirdest thing you've ever eaten? Um, I don't uh I don't do any of that weird stuff. I don't I don't sushi. That'd be the weirdest thing I've ever eaten, and that's not even weird. That's not even that's not weird anymore. I know that's not weird anymore. I uh, don't got um tongue. We talked about this. Oh no, I don't do tongue. We do um, yeah, I don't do tongue. Yeah, I mean, oh, rattlesnake. I think I've had that. If you fry anything, you can eat anything. You eat, if it's fried, it's, you know. Right. You're killing it. So. Right. So where are you headed next week? Uh, Houston. Okay. For two days. And then San Diego for four-year-old stomping grounds. Okay. Very good. So we will not talk to you on the road. We will talk to you when you guys come back on the homestand. We got through episode number four. We're still doing it. Uh it's doing- fun. I'm having fun. And I'm so thrilled for you as the new spokesperson in Adams County for the fire, what do they call it? The fire department or? Yeah, Adams County Fire Rescue. Fire Rescue. Yeah, it's a really, we'll, we'll do some shows out at the at the fire department. I can't wait. And that's fancy walkie-talkie you have? Mm-hmm. Can I do like a breaker one nine on Don't that? Don't touch it or we're going to be in a lot of trouble. We'll okay. see you next week. Thank you for listening to the Drew Goodman Podcast with Julie Brownman. Remember, you can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorite podcasts. And remember, check out our website at thedrewgoodmanpodcast.com.